Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Four weeks ago, we started with a sermon series called Potential. And, uh, and it's been something that's been on my heart for a long time. And I know um, after the first sermon, I thought, man, that was a good motivational chat. I realized that it's actually something we need to hear. It's something we need to hear, and, and you, you, you cannot release your potential if you don't know that you actually have potential, that you've got more potential than you ever thought you had, because all our potential is wrapped up in God. Amen? Now today, I'm going to end with a series um, of three sermons. So if you haven't um, listened to either one of them, all is on our website. Go and listen to it. I think it's, it's uh, something we need to listen. And um, we need to get that into our hearts and believe it, start confessing it over our lives and see what God can actually still do in our lives. It always reminds me of um, Ken, Con, Colonel Sanders, the KFC guy. He, he, he was nothing, he was, he was nowhere in life till he retired at 65, took his little retirement money and started the chicken business on the side, which ended up with his recipe being KFC worldwide. Generations after him will still live from what God has released from his life. And I realized if he didn't etch out that potential in him to still do great things, he would have died with that potential. Now, the same with us. Now, if you've missed a couple of sermons, I want to quickly give a recap on the first two weeks, um, what we've done, and then, and then land this series um, this week um, f- about what we've been speaking about. Now, week one, we've spoken about the topic um, that says exposing the hidden you. The expo- exposing the hidden you. Do you know that there's a hidden you that is full of potential and full of purpose that you haven't met yet? There's something in you that God has given you that needs to be released, and we need to re- release the true power and potential of what God has given us in our life. Now, I used the example of a seed. Now, all seeds are created with potential. I love that. And I've spoken about seeds so many times, but all seeds are, are created with potential inside of them, potential to multiply and potential to bear fruit. Amen? You won't plant a seed in the ground if you know that it won't bear fruit. Now, if you look at an apple, an apple is not just lunch. It's not just lunch. It is an apple orchard. You see, it's the way you look at the seed. And it's all the principle of potential. See, I explained it like this in the first two sermon series. When I have an apple seed in my hand, the fact is I've got a seed in my hand. But the truth is that I'm holding an apple orchard in my hand because of the potential of that seed. Now, it's the same with you and me. God is holding you in His hand with potential. You have potential, and unfortunately, the greatest tragedy on this earth is that the graveyard is probably the richest place of potential because people died without releasing potential in their lives of still doing what God has called them to do. You see, so many people have downscaled themselves to just accomplish something in life. If you've ever been there, it's like, Lord, I just want to accomplish this and then I'm fine with it. I've met so many people like that. I just want to accomplish this little thing in my life and then I can go on and be with the Lord and whatever. 
But see, when God created us, actually, God created us for great things. Why? Because He has given us potential. So when we settle for something small and God says, but hey man, I've created you for something big, that means you are downscaling yourself. See, one of the greatest tragedies in life is when potential is taken to the grave. And I don't want to be one of that. I don't know about you. I want to live to the fullest potential of my life. I want to still be able to do things for the Lord more than I can ever do when I'm 65, 85, whenever, from now on till when I pass on. But the question comes up in this series, and the question is the following. How do I release that potential that God has given me? How can I ontgin, I mean, that's, a, that's a good Afrikaans word, develop, get that out of my life? How can I release it, what God has given me? Now with this series, I, I spoke about three keys that helps us unlock the potential. The number one was the following, is to know your source. Is to know what is and who is your source in your life. It is not... KFC. It is not checkers. It is not FNB. It is, it is not. God is your only and true source. You see, God is our true source, and that from Him, everything in life flows. You see, without God, we will never understand or release our potential because our potential is wrapped up in Him. All our potential. Think about it. You see, I always believe every time I type this and I re go again go over this, I realize that, do, Henny, do you realize that all the potential that I have is wrapped up in God? That means that Rachel has got potential, but not more than me. The same as Kiran. And it's almost like the measure of faith Paul speaks about. God has given us all the measure of faith. That means that Everybody has got the same faith. What do you do with that faith? That's all up to you. Everybody has the same potential. It's wrapped up in him. What do you do with that potential? Now look what Peter said. Now I actually quoted the scripture um, a couple of times in the previous two sermons. He says, 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Everything you need in life to be successful. Think about it. I, I spoke to a bunch of first years one day and said, do you know that you're studying a course to be successful at a profession one day? Do you know that? I said, yeah, yeah. They, so do you know that God has already given you everything to be successful in that? But you still have to work hard to develop it and to release it. But God has given you everything you need to be successful. Now, if we don't know God as your source of all potential, we will not be able to release it in our lives. It all comes from Him. The second key was to understand your function. Remember that two weeks ago? Now, to understand your function, we first need to understand the following, that we are destined for eternity. You're not destined to live in this body, go through life, do everything, grow up, go through high school, go through university, get a job, get married, um, get rich, and or get kids, get rich, and then die. No, I mean, it's, it's not the story. God has made us spirit, and He made us with spirit in mind. When God designed us and He created us, He didn't say, oh, this is a nice body. 
No, no, he said, I'm creating this spirit. And because of this awesome spirit that will connect to my spirit, I'm going to give it a body and a soul with emotions, mind and a will. We're always spirit first. We live in a body and we have a soul. But the world has strayed us away to focus more on our body and our emotions and all about me and me than our spirit. Now what are you controlled by? Your soul? Your emotions? Your will? Are you controlled by your body? There's a lot of those people. I've been in that world. How I look in the mirror every morning and how, what I drink because I want to look better. You know, when I walk past the mirror, they, they stretch the calf muscle. Or, I mean, it's all about the body. It's almost a spirit of body idolatry. We all focus just on our bodies, our bodies, and yes, we need to be fit. Yes, we need to do things. There's a balance in life, but our true focus needs to be on our spirit. See, the world and Satan wants to get our attention off of our spirit and focus on our body and our emotions and our will and what we need and what we do. That's his plan. Why? Because the enemy knows that if we realize what we are made, to, how we are made to function, and that we are made to function from our spirit, we will not be caught up with things that will keep us from our potential. He knows that. And if you can stray your thinking and your mind away from things, that you will not focus spirit to spirit. See, God's plan from the start, when He created us, and I said that two weeks ago, was to have fellowship with Him. That's it. That was such a, a plus point for me again. It's like, oh man, I realize again, that's the only true purpose of my life. And my, everything comes from this. God created me with this function, is to have fellowship with Him. That's it. That was it. That is our function on earth. That's what Adam had. He had a fellowship with God, spirit to spirit. And then he lost it because of sin. And then he went to the world to get wisdom, to his body. They, they missed the spiritual aspect of things because sin came in the way. But the great thing is Jesus came to live that thing. He came and he lifted us that off of our lives where we, we were centered on the me or the I and my desires and he changed it to, to be centered on God. See, Jesus came to redeem us and then get us to a place where we can release our potential by reconnecting our spirit to his spirit. Does it make sense? I'm running through one sermon very quickly, but if you want to go and listen to, to week two, it's, it's, it was amazing. Now today I want to look at the third key to, to, to release our potential, and that is the following, to understand your purpose. To understand your purpose, and I know all of these three, these three things overflow, and there's so much gray area in this, but it's all connected to each other. Now I first started this, the first sermon with this quote. It says the following, it says, the poorest person in the world is a person without a dream. How many of you have dreams? to do things in your life. I hope you have. But he says, the poorest person in the world is a, is a person without a dream. The most frustrated person in the world is the person with a dream that never becomes a reality. Think about it when you have a dream to do something, you know you're called to do this, you're actually good at this, and this dream doesn't become a reality. It's just stuck somewhere. Man, that, that's, that's quite a frustrating moment. 
or season in your life. All of us go through wilderness seasons or desert seasons in our lives, and you are so frustrated in that season because the dreams that you have seem stuck. But see why, why you feel frustrated. Because dreams will direct us to our purpose in life. So I always ask young people, what are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? What do you want to accomplish in life? Because you, when you start dreaming in life, it will direct you to your life purpose. And our purpose in life will lead us to our potential. Our purpose in life will lead us to our true potential, what God has given us in life. And that's why it's so important to know and understand your purpose. Because if you miss your purpose in life, you will miss the true potential that God has given you. Now last week I ended, um, this, um, ended with the story of Saul that became Paul, the apostle. Where Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Do you remember that? For those of you who was here. Now on the road to Damascus, Saul came face to face with the purpose which God created him with. Face to face. In that encounter. See, that encounter changed Saul's life forever. Saul, the Pharisee, became Paul, the apostle. In one moment. Look what Paul said in Galatians later on in his life. In Galatians 1.15, he says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him, among the Gentiles. See, in that moment where he had, he had an encounter with God, Jesus was revealed in him. All the potential that God had given him that was wrapped up in God, he saw in his life immediately, in that moment, when he saw Jesus, when he had that encounter. You see, just like Paul, we need to have an encounter with God to discover our true potential, our true purpose in life. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to Damascus, close to Jerusalem, and wait for your, for your encounter with Him. In the morning when you open your Bible, you encounter Him. In church, in worship, you encounter Him. Man, there were so many times in my car going to somewhere, and I have worship music on, I encounter Him. See, in that moment of encounter, we truly discover our purpose in God. And every time we step into an encounter with Him, God comes and brings more clarity of our purpose in Him. See, there's so many successful people on our planet, including us sitting here this morning. We all have accomplishments in our lives. Think about it. Small, big, no matter. I think with God, an accomplishment is an accomplishment. No matter how big the world thinks it is or measure it, we all have accomplishments in our lives. But how many of us truly are satisfied with the accomplishments in our lives? Quickly, think about it. It's a seller moment. How many of us are satisfied with the accomplishments in your life? See, many of us pursue goals in life, and when we accomplish them, they still have no fulfillment. I remember I was number one in the world at, in 400 hurdles for one week. <laughs> number one in the world. Yay! And I realized that this week I saw it on the internet and I said, what? I'm, number, I'm literally on, on, on the international rankings, I'm number one. That, of course, the, the whole northern hemisphere hasn't started running yet because we are in the southern hemisphere. So it's only me, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. So big 
big world at this stage. But still, I was number one. I had it printed out. And I thought that week's like, man, it, it's so amazing, but I thought it would feel much better. Why? Because there's no fulfillment if there's no purpose. If there's no purpose. You see, because accomplishments without a sense of purpose is meaningless. So you can accomplish the world, but if there's no purpose in the accomplishment, you're missing it. See, as God's creation, we need to understand our life's purpose, otherwise we will feel empty. I mean, I, 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 I stopped counting a number of conversations I had with final year students, with people still working already. They said, Kenny, I've studied this, but I just studied it because it was a great job and good income, but I feel empty because it's, it's not really my purpose. I'm not, I'm not called to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm called to be maybe an engineer or maybe I've called to be a professional athlete or maybe I've called to be an artist. I've met some few of them. <laughs> I studied to be an engineer. My parents threw all the money into my degree. Now I'm an engineer for two years. I mean, I want to die every day when I go to work. Because all the accomplishments that I have feel meaningless. Because it's not aligned to my purpose. See, if we don't know our created purpose in life, it's impossible to fulfill it. We need to know our purpose. We need to know why God created us. Otherwise, you will not know how to fulfill it. That is the rule of thumb. So to release our potential requires us to know why God created us. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. To, to release that potential in your life, you need to know, Lord, this is why you created me. So let's ask, Lord, why and what is your true purpose for man on earth? And that's maybe a good question for today. God, what is your true purpose for us as human beings on this planet? And the Bible clearly defines God's reasons for creating us. Let's quickly look at three scriptures. Now, I've, I have spoken about this um, earlier. Verse 26, Genesis 1. It's something we can almost quote in our sleep. We've read this and read this so many times. But let's read it again. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in His own image. The image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Verse 28, and then He says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, in these three verses that I just read that we know so well, there's three distinct things. There's actually five, but I'm going to speak about three. Three distinct things that shows us man's created purpose on earth. Number one was we were created in God's image. Number two, we were created to reign and dominate on earth. And number, th uh, number two, number three, we were created to be fruitful and multiply. I want to look at all these three very quickly this morning as we close, and hopefully for us to really understand our true purpose in life. Because if you understand your purpose, God can release your potential. Now, number one of those three is to create, we were created to express God's image. Did you know that? 
that you were created to express God's image on earth? The first line of verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit sat and said, Let's make human beings. Let's make man and woman on this earth to be exactly like us. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that everything we are is connected to our purpose? Your nose, your skewed toe, your height, your race, your talents, your gifts, your deepest desires. Everything is connected to your purpose. If you look at yourself in a mirror, everything, how you look like and how you were created was an image of God, but it is connected to your purpose in life. Some people feel like, why did God create me white and not black? Because it's part of your purpose. It's that simple. See, God didn't create you should, that, that you should hate yourself and try to change the way you look. How many people are there in life that so want to look different? I go for plastic surgery, I do this, I shave off my head, I color this. I, I just want to look different than the way I was created. See, God gave us beauty when He created each one of us. And He planned us the way we are. He planned you the way you look like. Did you know that? He wants you and me to look like you. He wants you to look like you. And when I look at myself in the mirror, come on, all of us go through the same thing. Uh, if my nose was just a little bit smaller or, or my ears were just this. or Come on, if I just a bit thinner or just a bit more muscle or whatever, or whatever the world goes. But God created you with beauty in mind. He wants you to look like you. But not just that, He wants you to look like you, but also to act like Him. He wants you to look like you, but act like Him. So how do we do that, Henny? See, expressing God's image, expressing His image has all to do with how you act. Not the way you look. Did you get that today? Expressing God's image is not the way we look. It's how you act. It's how we act. See, God wants us to mirror His character. He wants Himself to be revealed through us. He wants you to reveal Him to the world. That, that's quite a thought, isn't it? And I thought about this, it's like, wow, the God of the universe who created everything on earth that I can stand at a seventh wonder of the world and look, wow, did God made this? Yes, He also made you and He wants Him, wants to reveal Himself through you. The same when we stand in front of Table Mountain and thought, wow, Lord, you're amazing, you created this. And then the thought comes up and said, wow, Lord, you also created me and you want to reveal yourself through me as much as you want to reveal yourself through that mountain. Now let's look at his character quickly. And there's a scripture that we use so many times. We use it at weddings, at all these things. And it's, it's the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. It says the following. You remember this? It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it does not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it's always, it always trusts, always hopes, always persevere, preserves. 
and love never fails. Isn't that a great scripture? And we've listened to the scripture and this, this passage so many times in weddings, and it's, oh, love is so amazing. Wow, God created us for love. But do you know that but God's character is defined by love? His character is defined by love. And when we take the words love and we put God in there because God is love, it sounds like this. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of the wrongs. God does not delight in evil but rejoice rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and God never fails. Isn't that amazing if you read it like that? You see, this is how we were created to live. If you want to reflect God's character, that is how we reflect His character. We are patient. We are kind. We do not boast. We are not proud. We do not dishonor, but we honor everyone around us. You see, we, we walk in God's character, and that's how we reflect His image on this earth. See, having God's nature is the difference between looking good Oh, sorry. It's the difference between looking lovely and being lovely. That's the difference. We are lovely. There's something that you are... There's a... Oh, I'm thinking Afrikaans again. But we need to be who He called us to be so that His character can be reflected through our lives. I remember when I was finally at school, matric... We were running, our athletic team were running, and in that year, schools competed against each other every Saturday. So for nine or eight, nine weeks, you remember that? Every, you, you compete against other schools. So you go to that school and run on their track, and the, the, the best four of your athletes against the best four of their athletes in every event, and then you run. And I remember I was doing short hurdles, and this guy came walking up to the warm-up track, and he was about to compete against me. Man, I thought, oof, my I've got trouble because he came in with the best kit. I mean, he had Adidas from head to toe. One guy was carrying his blocks. One guy his bag. One guy had his spikes in his hand. Man, he had this entourage following him. He was blinging from head to toe. I thought, it's, we, we're in trouble. This guy is going to, he must be a professional school athlete or something. But as good as he looked, he looked like a superstar, but he ran like a first grader. He literally came lost by 10 meters. And I realized that there is not the way, it's not how you look, it's how you act. You see, we can look like we have godly purpose, but do we act like it? Because it's easy to look like a Christian, hey, amen, brother, hallelujah. Yeah, if you have a Sunday voice, you remember that Sunday voice, hallelujah. You come to the golf course on Sunday, wow, bleep. And I hit this and I, I mean, come on. Let's just be honest. I always challenge the young people around me, said, don't wear a Sunday mask and take it off on Monday. Be who God called you to be. We're not called to have masks in our life. And if we want to look the part and never do the part, we're missing it big time. See, the big difference in what is important to, it's a big difference in what is important to God than what is important to the world. 
Because the world's going to tell you what is important, but what does God really think is important? When we are act kind and patient, when we reflect His character through our lives, that is, that is what it means to express God's image. Now, number two is to create, sorry, we are we created to dominate the earth. Now, it, clings, it, sounds, very, <laughs> it sounds very bad, but it, we are created to reign and rule in this earth. There is dominion in our lives. We were created with a dominion, I always say, with a dominion factor. The second phrase of verse 26 says, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, etc., etc. Now, the word dominate or reign over is defined in the following way. It says it's, it is to have power and influence over or to have a commanding position over. So when God says have dominion, it means that you have a commanding position over something. You have power and influence over something. See, God created us to dominate and rule over the earth, but if we lose touch with our source, we become confused and allow the earth to dominate us. Now, let me just explain this to you. If we forget that God created us to rule, to reign and have dominion, that means that the earth that we need to have dominion over, the earth starts having dominion over us. Well, let me explain it like this. I even want to go as far as that most of our problems we experience is, is because of a result that we're not fulfilling our purpose to have dominion over the earth. Most of it. For example, we let the leaves that we smoke or the fruit we make a drink with dominate us. Instead, we're having dominion over it. Our world is filled with violence because of printed paper that comes from trees that we call money. And money controls our lives. People will kill, steal, rob, cuss, destroy each other just to get their hands on more of it. Am I talking to someone here? Now, I'm not saying these things are pure evil. Come on, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when we are dominated by these things we are supposed to dominate over, we are supposed to dominate over that, our purpose is turned upside down. I remember the first time my dad bought me a beer. I was matric. I never really had a longing for it. But he said, now you're matric, you're 18, I'm going to buy you a beer. We had the spur as family, and he bought me a beer, and I, had, I drank. And he said this words to me. He said, Henny, you have a decision who dominates, you or this. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'll always pay, pour you a glass of wine or a beer, but you are in control, not this. And it always kept, stayed with me. And I had my moments in my life. <laughs> I had a few moments in my life, but I always came back to me and realized who has dominion over who. Look what God said to Cain before he killed his brother, Abel. Before he killed his brother. I love this story. Listen to this. Genesis 4, verse 6 to 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, and we all know the story. Cain were the, the fruit and vegetable farmer. Abel were, were the, um, the sheep farmer, and he had all the cattle. 
And they both brought an offering to God. God rejected his offering of Cain, and he accepted the offering of Abel. A different sermon of a different day. But he said the following, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, listen to this, he says, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And then I love this. He says, but you must rule over it. Isn't that awesome? See, this was before Cain killed his brother. And if you look at this, I can actually say that you know that all sin in our lives is premeditated. All sin. All bad attitudes, all things is premeditated. You see, Cain already meditated if he had to kill his brother or not. And God says, if you let sin in, it will destroy you. It's crouching at your door. It's waiting for you. You have to dominate and rule and reign over this thing in your life. And if you don't do this, you're going to miss your purpose. You're going to miss your purpose in life. Don't do it. You see, our purpose in creation was to rule. To rule in this life. I, I, I need to be honest with you. When I was cycling alone in Yonkersuk, and some mornings it was early, and it's just getting, it's just light. The darkness, is, it's, it's um, the sterk skimmer. That's a good Afrikaans word. And it's, the light is just breaking through over the mountain, and I realize, ooh, there's leopards in this, in this, still in, in Yonkersuk. Certain places I have cycled there that people literally have saw, saw leopards the day before, and I realized there's leopards here, and then every time the thought comes up and said, but listen, I was called to dominate and to have dominion over that, not that over me. So I will not let fear in and steal my purpose from me. Now I need to have a sound mind as well. I'm not going to run into a lion's den and shout at the lions and see who wins. I mean, that's stupid. But I still do have dominion. I have dominion over it. See, God called us to rule over his creation and the enemy knows our purpose better than us. Do you know that? The enemy knows your purpose better than you do. And we need to realize that. It is his plan to keep you from your purpose and that, and so that he can help you to miss the release of potential in your life, that potential that God has created you with. If the enemy can get you there, then he, he checks, I've won again. If he can keep you from a place of stepping into your purpose, of not liking yourself, of a place where things dominate you, where you should have dominated that, then the enemy is busy winning because he's keeping you from your purpose. And if he keeps you from your purpose, he keeps the release of potential over your life. Number three, and the last one, is we were created to bear fruit and reproduce. To bear fruit and reproduce. Genesis 1.28 says the following. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Again, govern it. But he said, Be fruitful and multiply. You see, if we look at God's creation, everything in His creation is fruit-bearing. It's got a fruit-bearing potential. All of us sitting here has fruit-bearing potential. We all were created to reproduce. 
Now, I remember my grandfather, he had a, he had a big backyard with a bunch of peach trees in the backyard. He, had a, he was very, I mean, he was a farmer, and when he moved into town, he planted all these peach trees and had a big, thick bush at the back uh, where, where the beautiful figs came in. And I remember when we came to visit on a Friday afternoon, he was sitting on his chair un, somewhere in the orchard underneath a, a peach tree, just eating that peach with his knife. I mean, I remember it, and I sat at his feet, and he helped me, and I picked one out of the tree, and it was so amazing. But see, if one of his trees never produced fruit, the tree just took up space, because that tree wasn't there just for shade. They were there for one reason, to bear fruit. And because it didn't bear fruit, he had to cut it down to make space for the other trees to grow more lush or to plant a new tree. And he had to do that a couple of times. You see, there's a, there's, a, there's a saying, no use, no purpose. No use, no purpose. You see, because, because of, of the seed of a tree, because of the seed a tree carries, it should never be without fruit. Every tree in this world, every plant, because of the seed that thing carries, it can never be without fruit because that was what it's created for. And it's the same with God and His relationship with us. We simply can't go through life with godly seed and never bear fruit. I mean, that's, that's, for me, it's, it's one of those things that I need to continuously think about. I can't go through life with this incredible godly seed in my life and never bear fruit Never one day in my life, never share his goodness with anyone in my life, keep it for myself. That's a seed without bearing fruit. Never speak about the testimonies, never speak about his goodness and what he's done in my life. That's keeping that, that seed for myself. Closing my life for others. I'm, I'm my, me and God, we, we close, I don't need input from anyone in my life. That's not bearing fruit. We need others in our lives to share that fruit. You see, a productive person is simply someone who will respond to God's need and demand for them. We need to respond to that seed. We need to respond to that potential in our lives. If God has given you a seed, we need to respond by bearing fruit. And that's why we can't take our relationship with God and a community around us in church or wherever, we can't take that for granted. See, if we're missing that, we're missing the potential of the seed God placed in us. We can't miss that. That's, having, that's like having children and never as a parent having input in your kids, letting them do whatever they want to. See, that's keeping the seed that God has given me and not sharing the fruit of my life with my kids. Not teaching them, equipping them, discipling them. See, that's why we can't take our relationship with God and a community for granted. They, they are there for a reason. If we're missing that, we're missing the potential and the seed potential in our lives. Look at John 15 verse 8. It says, Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself that you're my disciples, or to be my disciples. L listen at verse 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God chose us long before the foundation of the earth, long before you were born, while we were still sinners, like Romans says. He chose us. And He chose us to bear fruit. And if He chose us to bear fruit, it means that He has given us potential in our seed. Already a long time ago. Now, like I said in both previous sermons, it is one of life's greatest tragedies when a seed dies without showing the fruit potential in it. When a tree stands in a garden that, that has the potential to give the beautiful the most beautiful peaches, and there's just nothing. It's a tragedy. See, in sport and nutrition, they always say the following. You will know, Kieran, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. If you eat nonsense, you're going to perform nonsense. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're not going to do well. If you, if you eat candy floss every morning, you go to the gym and you think you're going to you're going to pull some weight. No, you're not. You're going to struggle. You see, what we fill ourselves in life will determine what comes out of what we produce. So if my granddad left that tree and never worked around it, never fertilized the garden, the tree will not produce. And it's the same with us. What are we feeding ourselves in our lives with? comes back to who is our source. That's why it's so essential to make God our source in our life so that the fruit we bear is godly and strong. I don't know about you, but I want to bear godly fruit in my life. I want to bear good and strong fruit, not just for me, but for the people around me. God didn't just call us to bear fruit. He also called us to reproduce. And God gave every human person on earth, everything on earth, the ability to physically reproduce. But just as important as physical reproduction, so is the power we have to influence others. Now, what do we influence others with? With our values? With our attitude? We have an influence of people, on people around us. If I have a bad influence um, or bad attitude every day in my life, in my house, what's going to happen to my kids? they're going to have a bad attitude later on because I've got a bad... My fruit that I carry as an influence in my kids because I reproduce the fruits of my life into the people around me. See, if you like it or not, your life will influence your boss, your co-workers, your friends, your children, your spouse, the people around you. I always say... If you don't let someone disciple you, the world will disciple you. But you will be discipled. You choose. That means that whatever fruit you eat, you can decide. I want to eat good fruit from people who have good fruit. See, we can influence people with good or evil. Now the question is, what kind of fruit will you influence people with? And it's a good question to ask. What kind of fruit do I carry in my life that I can influence people with in my life? If I'm running my own business, what am I feeding my employees with the fruit that I'm carrying? Am I always shouting? Am I always doing this? Or do I pray for them? Do I encourage them? 
What do I do in my life? Yes, there is moments. <laughs> I believe. There is moments where you have to put down your foot. But the fruit that we carry is the fruit that people around us will carry. See, if we believe, as we have believers, do not submit to the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will be influenced by others with the bad fruit or bad values. Or we will feed others with what we are feeding ourselves with. See, it's so important in our lives. It's so important. Every day I ask myself, Henny, what do you feed yourself with? Because that you will feed others around you with. And I've said that so many times here. So we need to ask ourselves the hard questions. Who or what is controlling or feeding me? It's a hard question to ask. Who's and what is controlling me? Who and what is feeding me? Is life controlling you? Or are you controlling and ruling over your life? See, we have the ability to fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. We have. We just need to step up and say, Lord, I am determined to find your intent and your purpose for my life. That's the starting point. I said, Lord, oh man, I don't have purpose. I struggle. I don't do the starting point is said, Lord, I'm putting my foot down. I want your pur purpose for my life. What is your intent, Father? And that's what we want to go to. See, most of the time I will, I will take us, most of the time it will take us to open our lives to the people around us. I remember, and I'm, I'm finishing with this, when I missed the Olympic team in 2000 in Sydney, when I was the, one of the track athletes in South Africa, in the, in the whole of South Africa, who qualified the most for the Sydney Games. The, the most. It's like I had, and South Africa in that stage had a tougher qualification standard than the International Federation had. So in the, on the International Federation, every race I ran in that whole season, I qualified internationally to go to the Olympics. But South Africa's standard was like almost a second harder. And I qualified more than 80% of my races in the tougher, the tougher one. Came to Europe, got sick, and you have to qualify six weeks before the Games. Came back, a lot of reasons, a lot of issues, political issues our country went through then. They took me out of the team. And I had to face this moment of purpose in my life. Because athletics and running was everything my life turned around. That was my purpose. That was, and I sat in a plane on my way back from Ireland. I remember it so well. And I was sitting there and I said, Lord, what do you want to do with me? My, uh, everything I worked for for eight years is now gone, this and that. And, and the Lord said, Henny, running is what you do. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. And so many of us do things to get purpose out and we forget that God has made us so much more with so much more purpose in life. And I came home then in the first two weeks when I was down in the dumps. I had to watch my friends who qualified less than me at the games I had to watch them. I mean, at first I, had, I tried to drown my sorrows in the first week. Then, I mean, it didn't work. Then, I mean, it was just, I was just down in the dumps. I was the worst place in my life. And I had four or five friends, my best friends, still today in my life. They sat me down and looked me in the face and said, Henny, 
What are you doing in your life? You're missing God's true purpose for you. And if I haven't opened my life to them in that day, and it was tough because the pride came out, I am fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. But they know me better than I knew myself. See, that's the one thing about us. People around us know us so much better than we know ourselves. <laughs> so much better. And in that day, I had a choice. I'm going to say, oh, man, major blind spot. Can you pray for me? I'm opening up my heart. If I haven't done that, I don't know what would have happened with my life. But thank God I opened my life to my friends that day. And in that moment, my purpose started turning again. I realized, ah, oh, wow. Number one in the world, it's nothing. Olympic qualification, teams, this, that. I ended up top 20 in the world for three years after that. And it's still like, so, I mean, I, I'm coaching at Bloomhoff and Paul Ruiz, and I asked me my CV the other day, and I thought, what is my CV? I don't even know. I had to go back, and I realized, oh, my goodness, really? Oh, do you really want this? It's like, okay. The only, the only CV that I have for coaching athletics is I love sports. That's my CV. Because my purpose isn't so much more. You see, we need to say, Lord, I want to express your image. Doesn't mean I want to look good. I want to act like you act. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to... We want to say, Lord, I want to rule and reign and have dominion over the things of my life. That's what I want to do. And Lord, I want to bear fruit. And if I bear fruit, I want to reproduce this good fruit in my life in the people around me. And when I'm there, I will start finding my purpose in life. And when I find my purpose in life, suddenly I will look around and say, oh wow, here's my potential. God is busy releasing this in my life. I hope that makes sense to you. Can we pray together? Now I want to pray for you this morning. I want to trust God that that something will, if there's only one thing that dropped in your heart this morning, just one thing, that you will take that to a heart today. That you will take it to heart and know that said, Lord, I want to have a purpose in life. I want to know more about why you created me. And then when I know my purpose, I want to run with that purpose in mind and then see how you release the potential of my life. So Father, thank you this morning. Thank you that you've created us for so much more. Thank you that you created us to, to conquer life, to bear fruit, and to see the fruit in our life have an impact on people around us. Lord, I pray that we today not look at the things around us that, that we struggle with. But that we will look at you, Father. We'll look at how you created us. That you created us to bear your image. You've created us to reign and rule over the things in our lives. And you created us to, to be fruitful. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning who doesn't, maybe don't, don't feel fruitful this morning. 
to start showing them the fruit in their lives already. Showing them the little buds on the tree that says, wow, here the fruit's it's coming. Father, I pray that you give us the longing to carry and to bear your fruit in life. Lord, I pray for a release of potential in our lives this morning. A release of potential in our talents and our gifts that you've given us. Lord, that we will think bigger and better and more than we've ever think before. Because that is what you've promised. That everything that you've given us is wrapped up in you, Father. We can't downscale and undermine ourselves. That we will have more. Lord, I pray that you will help us to dream big dreams. Bigger than we've ever dreamed before. And not feel guilty about it. But to trust you, Father. Lord, I pray that you open doors. Where we trust you. We're not looking at the impossibilities, but looking at the possibilities in our lives. Every day of our lives. Lord, I pray your blessing over everyone in this church. I pray your blessing over everyone who's not here this morning. Lord, I just pray your blessing over this church. Thank you for the potential that you've given us as a congregation. And we will touch this town and see how you change people from the inside out. We thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for this, the last bit of the year that's left. Pray that your, that your presence will lead us. That we will never be without you, Father. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.